Au revoir and welcome to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with your two hosts, Fred Roll and JT. Au revoir indeed everyone and we're back again. We're looking at um, Series 2 Episode 4 and this one's called No Greater Love. It originally aired on the 11th of November 1982 and it attracted 8.6 million viewers. So it looks like it gained about a million viewers from last week's episode, which is good because we enjoyed last week's episode, didn't we Fred Roll? We did, yeah. It's kind of like a good, um, like, so, sort of like, how Only Fools and Horses started to come together. We're having like Boise and Trig in the same episode. Boise obviously becoming a proper character. Um, so maybe uh, the viewers of the time uh, thought the same thing. So they all tuned in for this one. And I got to say, No Greater Love is another uh, favorite of mine. There's some good quotes in this one. There's one of my favorite granddad quotes of all time in this episode, which I'm sure uh, you picked up on as well. But we'll get to that in due course. But yeah, good episode ahead of us. Yeah, I know exactly the quote you're going to say, and we've always said it's one of his best, probably his actual best in the whole one. There's another one he says, which I think will be coming across fairly soon. Yeah, it's a good one. This one apparently runs for 29.25 on DVD and iTunes, so no extra seconds for anyone this week. Oh, wow. Well, I watched it on gold again just because it was easier for me to do. I had exams today, so if I don't make sense normally, I'll probably make less sense this week because my brain's all scrambled. But um, I came <laughs> home and I put gold on, and lo and behold, there it was, ready to watch. So it must have been fate. Oh, I did. Well, I watched the DVD, but I've just started a new job this week, so I've been training. So my brain's scrambled as well. So we're going to make even less sense than we normally do this week, I would say, then, bread roll. Yeah, most likely. Um, but it won't be too much of a shock for our regular viewers. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you for tuning in on a weekly basis to uh, hear us work our way through these episodes. One thing I've got to say about this episode uh, before we get started, normally I'd like to come in with Bread Roll's fashion update. But I've got to say the fashion's pretty, um, not really that swanky in this one. They generally wear, for the most part of the episode, those big overcoats, which we'll obviously talk about, those kind of camel air or whatever, <laughs> polyester <laughs> coats, as he calls them. Um, but yeah, the fashion isn't really kind of on point in this particular episode because they're both wearing them all the way through it. Yeah, I think yeah. Dale's got a, a black shirt on at one point. I think it might be the end. And he's got a quite a Larry tie underneath his Camelier coat. And Rodney has his red shirt on and his praying mantis suit trousers pulled up to his fucking nipples. Um, but <laughs> other than that, yeah, he's pretty much the Camelier coats take over in this episode. I mean, they, they feature quite heavily, don't they? Yeah, Grandad's still wearing the same fucking pyjamas and long johns he's been wearing since the 30s with sort of like gravy and spunk and God knows how all the way down him. So look at him, mangy as always. Do you reckon he sleeps with that scarf on? Because I don't think he ever takes it off. No, and plus, like you said last week, he's got like a pouch around his neck that he, hold, he used to hold the um, double-headed coin in. And he's always got like a money pouch, hasn't he, tucked away in there? I mean, Christ knows what else he's got. Maybe he's got a catheter down his long john so he doesn't have to go to the <laughs> toilet or anything like that. It just leaks out. Oh dear, let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> before before I start going through the synopsis, which I've actually had a quick a bit of a, more of a proofread through this week from Wiki, there were quite a few things I picked up on which I didn't agree with. So I'll kind of try and change it as I go. Um, this one's got quite a lot of cast in it, if that makes sense. None of them ever make a, another appearance, but obviously we've got the McKay, McKay's, Tommy Irene and Marcus the son. We've got Ahmed, 
Judy the barmaid, who has appeared a couple of times before. Then we've got Zoe, who um, Rodney meets right at the end. And then Leroy, who's sort of Tom McKay's sort of, um, or McKay, whatever his name is, he's like his lackey. So there's quite a few cast members in this, although they're all bit parts, they're actually all named. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it is a pretty, I mean, although you don't have like your voices and your tricks, there is like a lot more people for the trotters to interact with during this episode. And you also see the kind of groups of people that they make a comeback as well. Like you've got um, like the, the greasers, aren't you? The punks, the rockers sort of thing. I think Del Boy just calls them mongrels, doesn't he? But obviously we see them and they are making an appearance um, like several times throughout the kind of the saga, the series, as it were. Yeah, they do, whether they're the same punks or, or whatever. But yeah, there are the, the greeters and the mongrels, as Dale does. He mentions them when they're in quite a few episodes, as you say, even one of the very later episodes, one of the specials, I think. Um, you've got, is it Greaser Ollie and his boys? They're like a sort of greasy metal sort of biker gang, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it must be like, imagine back then, probably fans of Sisters of Mercy or something like that. But um, yeah, they certainly do sort of, he, he kind of interacts with them quite a lot, doesn't he? Even though Dale's kind of a man of the street and everything, he does seem to be on kind of good terms with uh, the Greasers and any other group of people around the, the kind of manor, as it were. Yeah, Dale's one of those characters that everyone knows him. And I guess they all kind of respect him as well, don't they? He's like the old school. He, he knows as, um, what's his name? Uh, fucking, I've forgotten his name. What's that? Oh my god, what's um Jim Broadbent's character called? Slater. Oh, Slater, you know, yeah. Dale knows all the all the wrinkles, you know, he made a lot of them up himself. Dale Dale was like just a character that everyone knows and respects, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And he's like always helped people out. Like as time goes on, and we'll obviously touch on it throughout our journey, as it were. Um, we hear that, you know, he, he always helps people out, doesn't he? If someone gets banged up, he'll always make sure that he takes their, you know, their parents or something, a bag of groceries, even if they are obviously off the back of a lorry, like most things Dell gets his hands on. Um, so, yeah, he is kind of like a man of the people, isn't he? Uh, bless him. Even though he's obviously not the most straight man in the world, he is obviously a man. of. He, he tries to help those around him that are on the same level playing field as him. Yeah, I think his heart's in the right place. Certainly for, obviously, the general public. Obviously, he doesn't like coppers and authority. But, you know, for sort of your average Joe in the street, I think Dale's got a lot of respect and vice versa. They've got a lot of respect for him. So anyway, shall I um, have a quick run through this synopsis, Fred Roll? Yeah, let's go for it. OK, so like I say, I, I'm going to disagree with some of this. I'll try and change bits of it, but I'll pick up on it as I go. So the trotters arrive at a London street with their camel hair overcoats. And they plan to receive payments from Mrs. Singh. See, to me, that implies they, they're trying to get payments from Mrs. Singh for the coats, which they're not. Obviously, it's some underwear she's bought and some bits and pieces. But anyway, when Rodney opens the door, again, Rodney doesn't open the door. Irene comes out. He, he meets another woman named Irene, who tells him that Mrs. Singh moved away three weeks ago. Rodney enters Irene's flat and is instantly smitten with her. Irene tells Rodney that she is age 40 and married with a teenage son, Marcus. Now, this is another thing that I may have a problem with because although Rodney does say later on to Dell how old Irene is, we never see her actually tell him, do we? She just says she's older than him. She never actually gives her age. And I don't think she mentions Marcus's name. But anyway, she also mentions her husband, Tommy McKay, who is away working, but will be out in six months. He is actually imprisoned in Parkhurst Prison for committing assault, GBH and attempted murder. One week later at Nelson Mandela House, Rodney tells Dale Boy and Grandad about Irene and how she moved away from her husband due to domestic violence. Tommy is getting released from prison and Rodney wants to meet him in person. This makes Dale concerned for his younger brother's safety. 
A few days later at the Nags Head, Rodney tells Dale that he and Irene had broken up earlier in the day. Dale consoles Rodney and tells him there's plenty of other women to talk to, but then Irene's son Marcus enters and tells Rodney that Dale told Irene over a drink to break up with Rodney. Rodney, feeling betrayed by Dale, leaves. How many times can you mention Rodney in the same bloody line? <laughs> later that night, Dale is confronted by Tommy McKay himself and a thug in a dark alley. Since Tommy thinks that Dale is Rodney, Dale goes along with the mistaken identity to protect Rodney, since he would stand no chance against the intimidating Tommy, and prepares to give him a beating for dating his wife, Irene. They let Dale take his coat off, but he accidentally throws it into a puddle. Furious that his new coat has been ruined, Dale lunges at Tommy, and despite sustaining a few moderate injuries, which looks a bit more than moderate, I think, Dale manages to win the fight and limps back to the nag's head. Back at the nag's head, Dale shows Rodney his injuries and lies that he fell down some stairs in Monkey Harris's house, even though he actually lives in the bungalow. Dale also mentions to Rodney that he met Tommy McKay and made him see the error of his ways, which means that Rodney and Irene can date with no threats from Tommy. But Rodney says that he had an earlier talk with Irene and that their relationship was never going to work anyway. Plus, Rodney has met another girl, Zoe, from the roller disco. Zoe arrives, she and Rodney leave, and Dell is left alone in the pub, annoyed but happy that he has saved his brother. Now, I pointed out a few things that I thought were wrong there. There's a few bits I don't really agree with. Um, I mean, I'm assuming Dell did beat Tommy McKay in the fight because he's saying he won't be a problem for you anymore. We don't actually get proof of that. We don't see the fight, do we? We just see the shadows in the alleyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And... um I quite like that bit. I actually had got some of my notes here that I was going to ask you, um, but I'll, I'll mention it now, actually, while we're on the subject. Because um, that bit where, um, is it Leroy? Like, Leroy's got older than Anthony, and mm. Tommy McKay comes out of the shadows. He's like, all right, Trotter, and all this sort of stuff. Your name's Rodney. Do you think, because um, before that, obviously, Dell and Rodney have an argument when he finds out that Dell spoke to Irene and made her break up with him. Obviously, he takes a, the fight and gets a bit of a kick in. But obviously, like you say, he might have won. Do you think he did it primar- primarily, if I can get the words out, to defend or make sure Rodney didn't end up getting his head kicked in? Or do you think he did it out of guilt? He thought he'd stand mm. up for Rodney because he did have the opportunity to walk away, didn't he? And it's not the first time that Dell was taking a kick. Or it is the first time he's taken a kick in, but he will do it again later on uh, down the line. But I don't know if he actually did it because he felt like just guilt because he's the one who sort of ruined Rodney's kind of relationship yeah. with Irene or just did it to be a big brother. I think it might even be a bit of both because he at first he sort of says, he starts to go, no, and then he goes, oh, yeah, I am Rodney. So I think maybe the guilt does come over him and he thinks, actually, fuck it, I probably deserve this kick in a way. Um, but I, I'd never thought that he won that fight until I read that on Wiki, and I'm thinking maybe he did, and that is why Tommy backed down. Or maybe it's just Tommy's now given Dale the kick in and he thinks they're even, he can go on and do what he wants. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those, isn't it? You don't actually see Dale winning the fight. So it's just left to your imagination, I guess. Yeah, because you see the copper turn up and he's like watching it like, oh, I'm not getting involved in that. And he just kind of walks off again. That bit's actually quite funny. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just never, it never crossed my mind. I always thought that Dale took the kick in and, you know, Tommy then thought, well, we're even, fuck it. I'm not probably not going to get my wife back anyway. I'm probably going back inside now anyway. So let Rodney crack on. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's a bit of a strange one, actually, like you said, other than obviously stopping and actually think about it for a moment after reading what you just read on Wiki. Yeah, I just always assumed he just got his head kicked in and that was the end of it. 
Yeah, I mean, we know Wiki's not the most reliable. I don't know why. I just don't write my own synopsis, basically because we haven't got time at the moment to do this and the movie one and write synopsis on both stuff. So we are relying on the shoddiness of Wikipedia, unfortunately. <laughs> one thing, um, going obviously more towards the start of the episode, um, Adele was fine about with those stupid jackets and stuff. <laughs> Rodney goes, um, obviously, to Mrs. Singh and then finds out it's actually, um, what was her name? Irene. What's her name now? Irene, that's the one. I was going to say Doreen for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> Irene. I was just thinking, like, door-to-door salesmen. I know these guys are dodgy geezers anyway, but you just, again, these days, you just wouldn't get that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, um, right, sounding funny, like, we weren't, we didn't have any much money or anything. We were quite poor. And I remember my mum took a job in the evenings doing the old Avon thing, you know, delivering the mm. catalogs. You go back and you pick them up and people have done that. I mean, catalogs are near enough a thing in the past. But even then, you know, that's probably the closest you get to a door-to-door salesperson, isn't it? You just don't get it these days. It's not allowed. Yeah, not at all. I mean, there was the old vacuum cleaner salesman. I know that became sort of a comedy thing, going around selling Hoover's door-to-door, but I don't suppose that even exists anymore. You get the con men, you see them sometimes on these bloody rip-off Britain programmes, don't you, where they've gone to these, you know, fucking vulnerable old people, and I feel fucking sorry for them, where they absolutely stitch them up with shit they don't need and they pretend they you know all this stuff's amazing and they rinse them for thousands and it's really heartless yeah yeah those those people are bastards but i was just thinking about that and again it was um it's like when we did the terminator episode like on the other podcast a while back and started thinking you know, like you find sarah connor's name in the phone book and everything and so mm-hmm. much has changed isn't it because you don't have phone books with people's name address and numbers and that in there for data protection and again just for many 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 reasons you know it's even rare that you get like charity people knocking on your door nowadays, even if it is the Christmas season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, well, people don't don't go out at all these days anyway. But even before lockdowns and um, COVID, obviously, it was a dying thing, wasn't it? It's just it's just the way society is these days. And in a way, it's quite sad that you know some people probably are even scared to go out and do these things anymore. I don't know. It's just times have changed quite a lot. I mean, this is forty years old and. Fucking hell, time has moved on a lot, isn't it? Four years isn't a huge amount of time, but things have changed so much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like you say, grand scheme of things, four years is nothing really, but just in how society's changed, it's just fucking weird. So, sorry, I didn't mean to get all philosophical then. I just no, sort no. Of thought that a bit. Well, <laughs> I was watching it. One bit that does crack me up as well is when um Rodney goes into Irene's house and he's sort of sat on the sofa and she's off like trying on some clothes or whatever. And he's like looking around and he sees a picture of her husband. He's like, bloody hell, he's a big bloke. And he sort of stands up and starts brushing the sofa down, like pretending he's not, wasn't there. Yeah. I like the way she's poured him a whiskey as well. You know, it's broad daylight, middle of the day. And the next scene, he's sat there with a whiskey stop. She poured him. So, yeah, good woman. But um, it's quite funny as well because the picture he looks at, old Tom McKay, and that picture looks nothing like the guy who um, has a go at Dell at the end, does he? He's got like a fucking afro in that picture. I mean, I don't know how old <laughs> it's supposed to be, but they look nothing alike. Don't know how long you've yeah. been inside for. Well, I was thinking, I was like, man, he looks nothing like, obviously, the guy we see. I don't even know the pictures of the same actor, but then, like you say, he's been inside for a while. I mean, I'm sure that's not great for your hair. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what that is. Um, but I also like the fact that Rodney's trying to act like a player and stuff, isn't it? Like, she's like, oh, you know, you got a girlfriend. No, no, not a girlfriend. Oh, but plenty of casuals. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, a few here and there and all that sort of stuff. And he's trying to act like, to be fair, he does go through a few girlfriends throughout the whole series, but he's trying to act like he's some kind of pimp almost. Yeah, he is. He does have two in this one, to be fair to him. I will say, though, Irene's quite tall, isn't she? I know she's wearing heels, but when they're stood up next to each other, she's nearly as tall as Rodney. I mean, he's not short, is he? 
Noel Lindhurst, a bit of a beanpole, really. But yeah, I thought that when she came in for that scene where she's like, oh, can you zip me up at the back? I was like, no, you're a bit, you are bloody tall, actually. Yeah, I do like it when she's like, um, it's going to be a bit embarrassing if I have to call you Thingy all night. <laughs> so what's your name then? Rodney. She's like, Irene. No, Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. dopey, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, there's another bit, and it makes me laugh. And again, it's not in an offensive way or anything, but I know it probably ruffle a few feathers because she's like, you know, how old are you? Um, and he's like, oh, I'm twenty, whatever he is, like twenty six, I think he says. Um, twenty three, I think. Twenty three. There we go. And she goes, that's what I mean. You're twenty three, and I'm well older than you. Aren't you worried people are stare? And he's like, no, I don't worry about stuff like that. I want to have a Chinese girl once. And it's just like <laughs> yeah. fucking no. That's old, probably a reference to old Shanghai Lil that he got. Um, he was smoking the old exotic tobacco with in his Basingstoke College. But it, like a joke like that, it's just meant harmlessly. But nowadays, again, it's one of those things, isn't it, from the eighties that you just wouldn't hear in a show these days. Yeah, of course, and um, it's really funny as well because obviously he's trying to sort of defend Irene. She's worried that he's going to think she's too old for him. But it's like a double-edged sword almost isn't it she looks at him and just thinks fuck's sake <laughs> you know he's like he's kind of dug himself a hole by saying that luckily obviously he gets away with it but she, yeah he, he's, he's not really had has his attending can't speak fucking hell doesn't have his intended sort of uh result does it when she looks at him and just think oh god <laughs> yeah it is a good punchline this is another episode i think overall obviously we'll, we'll touch on a few more bits along the way um, it flows really well. I mean, it sort of jumps around to different scenes quite a lot, but the chemistry, even between some of these little side characters, again, like Irene in that, they work so well. Like this little back and forth of her and Rodney, I think it's a really good way to open the episode. I mean, we really open with Dell and Rodney talking about, obviously, their jackets and stuff. But this is like the first kind of like intro to the storyline of the episode. And it just works really well. I quite like Irene as a character. Yeah, yeah, she is good. I do like it when it cuts to the next scene. And, um, Rodney's on the phone to her and Grandad and Dale are in the flat. And um, obviously Rodney's trying to be a bit coy around Dale. She's going, oh, yeah, I miss you and all that. And then he, Grandad's like, who was that then? Mickey Pierce. And Dale's fucking face <laughs> drops, doesn't it? I mean, again, it's it's a bit un-PC these days. He's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You know, obviously implying that Rodney, you know, we won't say any more. But then he suddenly clocks, oh, Mickey Pierce, he's in France, isn't he, at the moment? I mean, we haven't met Mickey yet, but he gets around a bit, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I mean, even in the later episode, the first episode that we actually meet him and he um, manages to get around a little bit more as well. Considering he's supposed to be growing up on the manor and be just as skint as the trotters, basically. Um, but yeah, that bit is, is awesome. He's like, oh, we love you and stuff. And then Dale's like, there's never been anything like that in our family. And again, it's obviously, it's not his PC now, but back then there was sort of kind of like the jokes you'd get around obviously the stigma of obviously homosexuality and stuff, but yeah, it's just um, Dale's reaction when um, Rodney says that is just hilarious. I like it as well when um, Dale kind of clocks what's going on. He's like, there's this tart, again, an NPC word. Irene McKay here, she's got 17 quid worth of clothes. She's going to be paying us back at 25p a week. It's like, is it even fucking worth it? 25p a week? Fucking hell. I mean, I know obviously Rodney set that up so he has to go around there every week for like a year, which is what Dale then realises what's going on. But fucking hell, 25p. Imagine going around someone's house and going, come on then, just ha- holding your hand out and getting 25p. Yeah, it's stupid. I mean, by today's standards, that's probably a pound. But even so, it's not even worth the cost of petrol, is it, to get to the house? No, I mean, we talked about the inflation and everything last week. But yeah, like you say, even if it's a quid, you wouldn't really go around someone's house and start banging on their door for it, would you? <laughs> oh yeah this is a good 
good scene though because obviously he's like oh yeah Rodney's got himself a mystery and stuff and he's like no no Irene's not a mystery and they start obviously talking about her and stuff and then it's like um she's a bit older well how old about 30 about 30 well how old is she 40 <laughs> he's like 40 <laughs> it's like there's nothing wrong with being 40 no no of course not if you're 50 yeah and then obviously this is when we get the uh, the granddad line that you, you talked about at the start and Del says she's even too old for me and then granddad turns around well I'd have to think twice yeah it, that that line cracks me up so much and the audience reaction to it is amazing like you can probably hear them like screaming they're actually quite receptive the the audience throughout this whole section because another bit when he's talking about if um uh, Irene's husband's like the governor or the warder and then he's like well no he's actually a convict and then again the audience is really receptive to that as well but yeah the way Leonard Pierce turns around is like well I'd have to think twice is awesome <laughs> it's, it's such a line delivery yeah I think that is probably granddad's best line of the whole every episode he's ever in um, but yeah the, the bit where Anne Rodney says oh he's in Parkhurst and um, Dale's like what's he in for oh just because I said he's in Parkhurst doesn't mean he's a convict he could be like the governor or warden or warder. What is he then? What What do you mean? Was he a governor or the warden? No, he's a convict. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you weren't sure, were you? You're making assumptions and just like, oh, no, it is, it is a good little setup. I, and again, it flows really well on this one. And then um, when we cut to the pub, like shortly after all this bit, um, Dell walks in and orders one of his stupid drinks, like pineapple juice and a tear Maria, I think he's after this time. This is weird, actually. I, I only thought of this earlier when I was looking at it, just to obviously make a few notes. So, Dell comes into the pub and he says to old uh, Julie, isn't it, the barmaid in this one? He says, oh, morning, love. Oh, you know, he orders his drink and Rodney's sat there. So, I'm thinking, so, is this Dell just being random and just saying morning? So, he gets everything wrong or he just says stuff in passing? Or is it actually the morning? Because Rodney's on his fourth scotch already. Dell's coming in to order a drink, so why haven't they been on the market together? Why is Rodney just sat in the nag's head on his own while Dell's been out on the market? Just little bits like that just didn't add up to me. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And also, like you say that Rodney's on his like fourth scotch, and then Dell buys him one more because he's like, oh, right, you can have one more, that's his lot. Then, um, obviously, at the end of the scene, they off they go out onto the market, and what's so Rodney's going to work on like four, five scotches, and he's going to work. You know, I'd be dead after five scotches, probably. Yeah, I guess it's not, you know, your average work, is it? I mean, it's, it's dodgy work. But yeah, they do it quite often, though, don't they? They're down an Ag's head having a few drinks, and then Dale's like, right, we've got to get out on the market now. And I'm thinking, you'll be fucking slurring your words and everything. Maybe that helps them sell. Bit of Dutch courage. <laughs> yeah, they'd be good with the lingo, wouldn't they? Um, it's, it's good as well, because he's like, they obviously he sits down and they're talking, and he's like, gives Rodney that really long kind of like speech. And he's like, he says, oh, Irene split up with me and stuff. And he's like, well, She's an older woman. One day you'd have found a, like a younger lady and she'd have lost in love and she wouldn't have lost anyone. She'd have been losing you. Imagine the heartbreak. And he does this really amazing speech to Rodney. Rodney's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. And then when Dale goes back to the bar, Julie's like, so what's wrong with him? Some old tarts giving him the sack. It's yeah. a fucking classic <laughs> Dale. And I, it works so well. I like um, another bit Dale says um, in this scene as well. He's trying to cheer Rodney up. He's giving him all this spiel about, you know, she's losing you. He's like, you know, you've had a few drinks and a bit of Humpty Dumpty. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he says? He's like, it's K Sarah Sarah, as the French would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then obviously Marcus comes in, Irene's son. He looks older than 16, doesn't he? He's about seven foot tall for a start. He definitely doesn't look 16. And do you know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of old Derek Wibley from old uh, Sun mm. 41. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, his air is fucking massive. Dale says he can probably pick up BBC Two on it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he comes in. And he, the thing is, he walks, he comes in, he's obviously he's supposed to be recognised, but he walks straight up to the table and sort of let, sort of stands over him, doesn't he? And he's obviously there to be noticed because he's got one of the, um, the camel air or polyester jackets, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. So he's obviously there for the audience to recognise, but the way he just walks in and sort of stands around the table with Dell and Rodney, I don't know, it just seemed a little bit forced to me, but obviously he was there, obviously, so the audience could take notice of what he was wearing. Yeah, I mean, it takes Rodney ages to realise what's going on as well, because before all this, Dell's told him, oh yeah, Tommy's getting released soon, and nothing really goes in, Rodney's still drowning his sorrows. Then when Marcus comes in and says, watch it, Dell, and starts talking to him, it's only when Marcus goes over and stands with the uh, the mongrels, or whatever Dell calls them, that Rodney suddenly clocks. He's like, hold on, how did you know that Tommy's getting released? And Dell's like, oh, you must have told me. Rodney's like, oh, I didn't tell. I didn't even bloody know. Then he clocks again. Hold on, how did Marcus know your name? And obviously then Dell's like, uh, well, he must know me. Everyone knows me, which is true. We said that at the start. He might well know Dell because fucking everyone knows Dell. Although I'm assuming... Marcus has moved there very recently with um, Irene as well, so he probably wouldn't have known Dell. Then Dell gives it the old, oh, we see my D. It must must mean it stands for Derek. He must have known that. And then Rodney's obviously like, well, that could stand for anything. And let's be honest, Derek's not the most common name, even back then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because even lists them always like, you know, things like Daniel, David, all that sort of stuff, you know, much more common names that start with D, yes. Um, but the only thing I can... I don't know, I suppose if Rodney, this is the morning, and Rodney's drinking, like, on his fifth scotch, he would obviously, probably wouldn't be paying much attention, but then he doesn't act drunk, I don't think, no. like, obviously, he's, like, moping because he's drowning his sorrows, but we've seen Lyndhurst do scenes where he acts drunk, obviously, his, um, his wedding night, or his hen night is one of, hen night, um, stag night, should I say, <laughs> is one of the best ones, but he can do acting drunk pretty well, and he's not acting drunk in this scene. No, not at all. Um, and another thing, going back to um, Marcus and Irene, obviously moving over from the East End to get away from Tommy, doesn't really work very well because the day he's out of prison, he knows what's going on. So their plan <laughs> yeah. to get away from him didn't fucking work, did it? Well, yeah, I mean, I know London's a big place and there's all these boroughs and everything. It's probably a bit more chaotic now. But, you know, moving from the West End to the East End, and that, it's not exactly like you're, you know, moving. Like, if you wanted to get away, you probably want to move to another city. Or maybe move out into the sticks a little bit, not just move to the other side of London. Yeah, it just seemed a bit weird, you know. Oh, we moved to get away from him. Well, the day's out of prison. He fucking knows you've been having a fling and, you know, it didn't take long. <laughs> the next bit as well is um, kind of what you mentioned earlier on, but we see Del Boy before he gets jumped by um, Leroy and um, old McKay. Like, again, he's like selling one of those Camel Air coats to one of his... Um, kind of like his customers as it were on his doorstep and he's like oh yeah I'll pay two pound a week which again would roughly be about ten pounds a week nowadays but it's just like again like it's not even like worth doing is it what you're going to pay off a coat two pound a week you know you're paying that off for bloody ages well, I think Dell's selling for 25 quid isn't he he gives Rodney the one for 20 quid at the start that's quite good actually going back to that opening scene when he's like it's a steal at 20 quid and Rodney's like oh, okay reluctantly and then he, what was it he says? He said that you don't have to pay for it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take it out of your wages. I mean, Dale probably stitched him up. Roddy didn't even want the bloody coat in the first place, did he? Yeah, because at first he says it's a gift, doesn't he? And then he's yeah. like, um, then he tells Rodney that's obviously going to be his score. And he's like, you said it was a gift. Well, it is a gift at 20, nigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously he sticks up for Rodney at the end and takes the beating, but he does try and stitch him up at the start. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've got to, I don't know about you, but um, when, um, 
Dell comes limping into the nag's head later on after he's had his obviously his scrap with old McKay. I thought that the cuts and the blood on his face looked pretty good, like as in like fairly realistic. Considering obviously it's a bit of a low budget show, I thought you know that actually does look like he has got some proper bruising and stuff. I think he has yeah. some tissue in his mouth to make it look like his mouth was swollen. But overall, yeah. I thought the makeup job they did was you know pretty good considering obviously the level the show was at. Yeah, I thought the same thing. The only thing I will say, obviously, just because it's harder to do, his mouth, he's got cuts around his mouth, but his teeth are all still properly intact. You know, you think he might have lost yeah. a couple of teeth in that. Obviously, that was a bit harder to do. But, yeah, the cuts and bruises and everything on his on his face and his forehead's cut. Yeah, it looks really good, I thought. Yeah, definitely. David Jason plays it really well, but we know he's he's good at that sort of thing anyway. And I do like the way Rodney, he's got his back to Dell. He's back in the pub. He's on the, he's half a lager now and he's had enough scotch, obviously. He's probably run out of money as well. But um, when Dell starts talking to him, he's like, you know, bugger off Dell, basically. And then he turns around, sees the state of Dell's face, and he completely changes, doesn't he? What the hell happened to you? And he just kicks into brother mode then, doesn't he, old Rodney? Yeah, and we've mentioned it before in, obviously, this series and our original one as well, that you've got to love the kind of relationship between those two. Like, they'll do anything for each other. Obviously, case in point, Dell's just taking a pound in. But they do care about each other. And when the the scenes come and there's not they're not that often because they don't need to be but when the scenes come where you need actually something a bit serious or a bit of drama obviously just to balance the show out these two do it really well so does the other um actors as well i think but it is a show that manages to balance its comedy with its drama like quite well i think yeah yeah definitely i do like um when dale was obviously trying to talk rodney into getting back with irene Rodney's like, no, 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 no. Dale's like, I've got, um, what is it, a packet of black magic in the van. There's only one missing. Whip round there a bit quick for them. Dale's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> idea of romance. <laughs> oh, black magic. I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't want to obviously knock anyone if people like black magic, but that is like so old school, isn't it? What chocolate should have in black magic? What aftershave are you using? Brute. You know, pretty much just something Dale straight away, doesn't it? Old spice. Yeah. Old I don't know. Um, I don't even know if they make black magic anymore, do they? I've no, I haven't seen it for years. I bet they don't even make them anymore. Probably not. No, I mean, I don't really spend much time looking in the chocolate section um, these days. No. But yeah, you're probably right. Um, but no, I think all I see is like the normal sort of Cadbury's and Galaxy around. But answers on a postcard for that one. Let us know if they still make Black Magic chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Just sort of the last little sort of scene in this last couple of minutes. Old Monkey Harris gets another mention. Obviously, Bell's been around there and he's fallen down his stairs. And he says, well, he lives in a bungalow. Dale was like, well, he's moved now. So that's old Monkey getting another mention. Obviously, Rodney doesn't fucking believe Dale. I mean, it's not the most believable thing, is it? The, I mean, two seconds before that, I just bumped into Tommy McKay. So, you know, even Rodney, who's dopey as anything and probably half cut by this point, surely must put two and two together and know that Dale's taking a pounding. Yeah, you like to think so. And I do like that. <laughs> when he's like, what happened to you? And he's like, I ran into a door. A door did that. Yeah, well, it's a revolving door. Yeah. <laughs> and then he changed his tune to he fell down the stairs at Monkey Harris's house. So he's obviously talking absolute bullshit. So yeah. yeah. But um, when when Zoe walks in, Rodney's new girlfriend, he's met at the roller disc. I mean, for an 80s girl, she is quite hot and everything. And, you know, but Rodney's like, oh, this is love. But he's just told Dale they met that afternoon. He's like, you're in love with her already. You met her like fucking two hours ago. You moved pretty quick, Rodney. Yeah, because when um he's chatting about Irene, isn't he? Like even Grandad says, you know, you're in Bert, you're in love with that skinny bird from the laundrette like a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, no, no, that was just infatuation. Me and Irene have got love. And then he says the same thing here, doesn't he? With Zoe, I got to say with Zoe as well. She came in dressed up like one of Mister Motivator's backup dancers. I was just <laughs> like, you know, that outfit is like again, like I know she's been on the roller disco and she's got her face painted up and stuff. I'm like, man, those are some uh, 
some fancy pastel colours going on there. <laughs> yeah, it's like a green fucking tracksuit, isn't it? She's got on. Um, yeah, I did think she was quite attractive, though, I have to say. But I've got a thing for, like, retro-looking sort of things like that. But, um, yeah, when Rodney, he's like, all right, babe, and puts his arm around her. I was like, fucking hell, Rodney, you're not the most romantic guy, are you? Yeah, in some grotty pub, and like she even walks in and looks at Dell, like, "What the fuck? What's he doing here?" And he obviously looks like he's just been like, "Well, he has been through like a few rounds and stuff." And it's just like, "What an introduction to the family." Yeah, my cat has just come in, by the way. So if you hear some random noises, it's not me meowing; it's her <laughs> just coming in, sat next to me. Uh, yeah, obviously just the, the background. Yeah, the sort of um, the, the closing line, obviously, is um, when Julie says to Dell, "What happened to you?" And he's like. Oh, was it nothing happened to me, but Rodney took a good kick in. Obviously, that's the sort of the punchline, I guess, of the whole episode, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it is a good episode. This is another one of my, um, like, when I look back at the earlier episodes, I do really like this one. It's one I could happily, if it's on, so happily watching. It's one that I'd always, uh, another good one to show people if they're new to watching Only Fools and Horses. I wouldn't say it's probably the best episode to watch if it's the first episode, but again, it gives you a lot to work with, and it's quite funny. And it's got some great lines in it. So again, yeah, another really kind of um, one of the better ones, one of the top ones from series two, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And it, it really shows the whole Dell and Rodney, the, the brotherly love between them as well, which is good because we've seen hints of it before, but this is the first one where you really see it, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, so that's pretty much all I've got to say about this one, other than obviously it is a great episode. And I can't remember what one we got next week. Um, but yeah, I have enjoyed watching this one again. Next week, bread roll, it is The Yellow Peril. I just oh, had yeah. to have a look, quick look on Wiki, actually, for what the next episode was. Because it's weird. I, I know all these episodes well, but I can't remember the running order of the, the sort of first three series. From four onwards, when Albert comes in, I'm pretty clued up. But the early series with Grandad's, I'm not 100% sure of the running order. I always have to check. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. And I think the ones with Albert, they follow more of... um like an ongoing story between episodes yeah. i think like little nods to them so they kind of flow a little bit better whereas all these ones although obviously they reference each other as they go on they're all kind of like standalone little stories aren't they so they probably don't yeah. flow as well from that perspective as the ones of albert do yeah yeah i mean we we've talked about it in our original podcast um check that out by the way if you haven't already um the series six was when the story arc really kicked in when cassandra comes into it that's when the story really started flowing properly um before that they were more standalone episodes but certainly from then on it really takes over a big story arc but obviously we're, we're weeks away from getting there so um keep listening because we will get there yeah we certainly will and of course if you want to st- um, stay up to date with everything we're doing then by all means find us on twitter at the hyperbaric goats where you can follow our comings and goings with this podcast and our movie podcast which is had a bit of a few turbulent <laughs> times lately because <laughs> obviously we've been quite busy um but we are getting back on track with that next week um but also let us know what you think of the episodes that we're watching if you're an only fools and horses fan let us know what your favorite episodes are and any tidbits you might know and also any feedback you have for ourselves and the show um just give us a shout and follow us on twitter Indeed, couldn't say it better myself, Bread Roll. Um, try and answer everything and uh, interact with anyone who wants to give us um, feedback, nice or, or horrible. We don't care, you know, we're big enough and ugly enough, as I've said before. Um, so, yeah, feel free to say what you like about us on Twitter. It's all good fun. Very good. So that means that I've only got one last thing to say to everyone. Bonjour. And I've just got one last thing to say myself. 
Oi, Del, I'd have that head looked at if I was you. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw.